Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Well, really appreciate you tuning in tonight at 7.06 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Our next Eskimos broadcast is Saturday night. They host Calgary, 5.30 countdown to kickoff. 7 o'clock for the start of the game. We'll have an Oilers broadcast from the Young Stars Tournament in Penticton. That'll start at 5 o'clock Friday afternoon. My name is Reed Wilkins. Perry Pern is in studio. Spent the last few seasons on the coaching staff of the Vancouver Canucks. 22 years as an assistant. I was talking to Perry before he came on. I wrote down 19 because somehow I forgot to add in the most recent team he was with. Uh, so... But hey, that's what happens, right? You get, you get forgetful when you when you interview a guy who's done something so long. You just round it off a little bit. Um, three World Junior gold medals, one as a head coach. I mean, that's still got to be a career highlight. Yes, it was. Uh, you know, it was a first of all a great group of players. Uh, the uh, f- five of the guys on that team were uh, underage and were going into the draft, and uh, they went one, two, three, four, five. And uh, so, um, you know, to, to have worked with that group of players was was special. Um, you know, we had a great captain in Mar- Marty Lapointe, and uh, you know, a-, a number of those guys, you know, wound up with great NHL careers, and um, you know, our paths crossed many times over the years, and um, you know, still see them, and they, they talk about, you know, the the excitement and the joy of, of you know, winning that World Junior title, and uh, so uh, you, you never lose that. Uh, you know, Chris Pronger was uh, on that team and uh, saw him in the press box late in the season in St. Louis last year, and he wanted to talk about the World Junior again. That's that's amazing. That's, I mean, that's such a, a high, and for a lot of those guys, it's it's almost a bit of a coming out party, isn't it? I mean, I know they're all junior stars, but sometimes that's more you know, localized or regionalized for sometimes for some of those guys, that's the first time they really get noticed nationally. Right. Well, uh, and you know, I was at the start of, of it becoming, you know, um, uh, way more publicized from the standpoint that the, you know, the, you know, all, all the games being broadcast and so on. Like, uh, you know, at that time they had started to, you know, every game was shown on TV, but, um, the uh, the difference then was that you know the hype and the build up uh, to the tournament you know wasn't quite uh, the same as it is now but it you know it's grown uh, exponentially over time and so um, you know those those young guys are made into stars uh, very very young and uh, you know it it's interesting to see how well you know. Um, those young players, you know, handle uh, that kind of exposure. You coached at uh, Nate from '78 to '93. You won six national titles. You were a, a perennial powerhouse. You, you know what? What's the? I, I hate to use the word secret because that makes it sound like it's something you know mystical or unknown. It's not that in sports. But what? I mean, what? How do you keep the standards high and the performance high? 
year after year. I mean, you never really had a dip, did you? Uh, we were we were pretty good and, and pretty consistent over a period of time. I I think um, <laughs> you know I, I've said this a few times. Like, yeah, I was <clears throat> when I did a really good job of recruiting. I was a way better coach. <laughs> That's a good point. I always say, especially to college and university coaches, you can win a lot of games in the summer, right? <laughs> yeah, you you know, it, recruiting was a big part of it, but you know, part of recruiting is uh, is growing a program to the point where people want to come, and and then it's a lot easier to sell it. But uh, you know, we um, we had the great year '84, '85, uh, where we went undefeated and won the national championship, and and uh, you know, by the time we got there, there were guys that came to that team that wanted to be, you know part of it because I think they recognized you know our program was growing and and uh, that we could accomplish what we did accomplish that year and you know now uh, as we look back on it it you know it, it's a pretty significant accomplishment that team's now gone into the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame yep. they're in the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame and uh, well deserved because it was a, a great group of people who uh, who put a lot into that season and uh, you know pushed themselves and so you know, once once we established that kind of success, um, you know, it became much much easier to attract people, and you know, like it it wasn't magic in terms of us you know thinking about and doing that. You know, we looked across the river at the Golden Bears, and that's been their uh, uh, their mo uh, from from the days that I went to U of A, they, you know, a great program, great coaches, uh, people wanted to be there. And, you know, year after year, like you got the cream of the crop uh, in terms of recruits. And, you know, that made it much, much easier for you to be successful on a regular basis. Perry Pern joining us on Inside Sports. So, all right, so uh, here's a couple million-dollar questions for you. You spent the uh, last three years with the Canucks, uh, so you coached against the uh, the Connor McDavid-led team for two seasons. Uh, I mean, two years ago, the Oilers were 29th. This year, they were 8th, and maybe were a break or two away from going all the way to the conference final. I, I mean, how were they different to, to play against uh, this year? Well, I, like, I think they've done a good job of building, like, a, you know, they, they've they weeded out some pieces that, uh, you know, were, were good pieces, but um, they needed to fit some other pieces in. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the trades I think that was key to them jumping ahead last year was the, the Taylor Hall trade. And, you know, Taylor Hall's a, a, a great player. Uh, you know, I was a bit disappointed to see him go cause he was a, you know, a three on three guy. He, you know, he came, uh, every year that he was in Edmonton, but, uh, y- you know, you, to get a quality defenseman, like you have to give up something, and they needed to improve their defense. And to me, like uh, that was the most significant step that they took last year was their their defense got better. Now they added pieces too that um, you know um, Zach Cassian, I think you know was a, a good addition. Lucic was a good addition. Um, they they made themselves. Um, a little bit tougher to play against and I think um, like create an environment you know where a guy like Connor McDavid didn't have to worry all the time about you know who's going to run at him and you know the years before they didn't have nearly as much of that 
as as they now have and so i i think that's been a you know an area of of improvement as well and then you know they've got the two great young players uh you know not unlike what we saw in the past in pittsburgh you know drysidel and and mcdavid are exceptional players uh, you know mcdavid being you know uh, maybe the best player in the national hockey league if not very close and he'll be pushing all the best players you know from now until you know he ends his career so um you know obviously that that part of the picture was uh, was an important part too and you know his first year he gets injured and uh, you know that certainly derailed them from maybe making a jump uh, I don't know the the jump would have been as significant as it was last year but it would have been an improvement right. had he not got hurt uh, but they're they're going to be a force now to be reckoned with. All right, I got one more for you, Perry. And I mean, you created a, a great uh, run uh, at Nate in the NHL. You've you know, you know you've been part of different organizations with varying different degrees of, of playoff and regular season success. And I know when the Oilers were going through that decade of darkness, as we now call it. I mean, I get calls from fans. Well, they got to change the culture. They got a losing culture. And I said, well. You know, it's not just as simple as a guy walking in and saying, "Okay, guys, we've been losing." Like, I mean, to me, the culture words sort of got overused, and to me, it's maybe more the end result of a bunch of other little things that that go into it. I'm curious, from your perspective, you know, is is culture even the right word to to use? And and what is it? You know, what what does it mean for the teams that are more successful to have a, a good one? Well, uh, you know, the, the the first thing that that I see when when you see successful teams and you and you start talking about their cultures is you see stability. You know, if you look at the New England Patriots, like they, they have stability, and because of stability, they've been able to grow a culture. Uh, they, you know, you have players that that have been there a period of time. Their leadership builds the culture with new players coming in and they have lots of turnover uh, in New England but you know the the culture is built from the stability uh, from the top down from ownership uh, to management to coaches and then into the locker room and so you know I think um, you know one of the big things is uh, you know uh, creating an environment um, where Yo, you can you can count on uh, things you need to to keep people accountable, and and a- accountability probably is one of the most important parts of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, good cultures have have accountability, and uh, so you know uh, you can you know it all it all fits together. But I, but but for me, uh, organizations that that have culture and have good culture are organizations that are able to create stability and you know it's interesting you know um, you know on the other side Toronto now is a a group of real good young players but probably the biggest difference now in Toronto is like they're they they've seemed to you know uh, grabbed um, the kind of group that is going to keep a stable environment for a period of time and that's tough to do in Toronto 
But, uh, you know, if they can do that, you know, maybe we'll see Toronto being successful after all these years also. And, you know, that's always good for the league when uh, when teams that haven't been as successful now, you know, start to take over and are the successful teams. See, the thing is, I think a lot of people want a Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup. They just don't want it to be the Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, I, I'm certainly not a big Leafs fan. Like my my biggest rival in in coaching over the years was the in Ottawa with the Leafs, and you know they were kind of our nemesis there. Uh, I think we would have won a lot more uh, if if we'd have figured out a way to get by the Leafs, and uh, it was uh, that you know a bit of the Battle of Ontario when I was there, and it it's continued to some degree, but. Uh, uh, it's it, they, you know, they they certainly in those days were uh, a thorn in our side. Perry, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, you know, I know I hope you have a great winter. You enjoy the hockey season in in, in whatever capacity it winds up uh, uh, being, and I hope we can do this again sometime. Well, absolutely, I really enjoy it. Thanks a lot for having me, Reed. That's Perry Pern checking in tonight. Inside Sports on six thirty. Chad, we'll take a quick timeout. Tough day for the Eskimos. You'll hear from their head coach when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad. The Tiger Cats Argos game will resume in about 20 minutes. It's been in a lengthy weather delay, over an hour and a half now. 6 nothing Toronto, 8.59 left in the second quarter. Of course, earlier today, it got out of hand early for the Edmonton Eskimos, and they lose 39-18. The Stampeders win the Labor Day game for the sixth year in a row. Here's Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. It's been basically the same story for the last three weeks. We've done enough to hurt ourselves in, the, in all three games, and other teams have capitalized on it. And we've dug ourselves too big of a hole to come back from. Um, until we stop doing that, until we stop playing the Eskimos plus whoever we're playing, it's going to be very difficult. So we've got to figure that out. We've in turn played the three best teams in the league on three back-to-back-to-back games, and we haven't shown up enough. We haven't made enough plays. We've continued to hurt ourselves, continue to be undisciplined. It's got to stop. I told our guys in the locker room, their best has to get better and their weaknesses have to improve if we're going to win on Saturday. Um, that's as clear as I can I can state it. Uh, we are a good football team. I know that. It's just when we have to play against ourselves plus another opponent, particularly when the opponent has to be happens to be a, a really great opponent, you know, it's going to be very difficult to win ball games. You know, on that point, Jason, I mean, you, you've lost three in a row to the three you know, to, to three tough opponents, but you said it. We, we are not at our best. It's not a question of of, of uh, talent or, or ability or anything like that. This is a question of doing the things right, isn't it? In yeah, I mean, game, to I, give I yourself can, a chance, right? Absolutely. I can find. I mean, I'll just say this. I just spoke to the to the beat writers, and, and I'll say this. An example is this: early in the game, we get them to jump on a third and two. We get the ball. We have one or two plays. It looks like it's going to be a great thing. We fumble. They get the ball back, go down. I think we hold them to a field goal. They do the same thing against us. A third and three, we jump offside. They get the first down. They capitalize and score a touchdown. <laughs> That's the way the, the games have gone the last three weeks. It seems like we when we screw up, we screw up enough to where it really damn hurts us, and we cannot get out of our own way, and other teams are capitalizing on it far more than we are able to capitalize on their mistakes. Um, you know, another punt return. A punt return touchdown hurts you. You know, uh, a drop here. Uh, 
um, a bad throw there. You know, <laughs> there's a little bit of everything. And again, we went into the game saying we needed to hit their quarterback, and I don't know how much we hit him, but I know it wasn't very much. So, um, and we needed to protect ours better. And I know we didn't do that as well either. So, comparative to them. So, we we're, there's a lot of room for improvement. Let's put it that way. And uh, if we improve, we'll have a chance to win every game we play. You got a short week now. How do you get that improvement rolling? How do you? It's start? a long enough week to improve. Trust yeah. me. I'm not worried about the short week. They have the same damn short week. They got to travel up here. We have the stuff that we can improve upon. We will improve, uh, and we will give our chance ourselves a chance to win this ball game. All right, that's head coach Jason Moss from the uh, Eskimos uh, Points After Show with Morley and Dave. And, and he was talking about it earlier in the game. I mean, the Eskimos gave up a big play on, on the opening play, but they're able to hold Calgary to a field goal. Okay, 3 nothing, no big deal. They have a third and two. They draw Calgary into a jumping offside to keep control of the ball. And then Corey Watson fumbles a couple plays later. Then Calgary draws Edmonton offside on the ensuing drive. Ensuing drive, same way, hard count on a third and three. That kept the drive alive. Calgary gets a two and a touchdown off that. And uh, all of a sudden, it's 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 11 nothing. So some mistakes against a very good team, and you get in a big hole, and you're not coming back against the Calgary defense if that is that good. Jason Moss will be on the Coaches Show tomorrow from 7.30 to 8 here on 6.30 Chet. Evan Hoffman wins the Tour of Alberta. We'll find out how he did it next, and we'll talk to former TSN Jim Van Horn when we get back. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, good to have you along for the ride tonight. Tough one for the Eskimos. They lose 39-18 in Calgary. They're 7-3 on the season. They have lost three in a row. The Stamps are 8-1-1. They have won 15 straight at McMahon Stadium. Pretty impressive. Evan Huffman has won the Tour of Alberta. Jasper stage on Friday, Spruce Grove Saturday, a couple of Edmonton stages to finish it off, in, uh, including the, this afternoon, the, uh, the race ending in Churchill Square. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'm pleased to well up, uh, welcome Alex Stita back to the show. Of course, a uh, former pro cyclist. Uh, he was on a couple of weeks ago on the show to help tee up the race. And uh, now it's wrapped up, uh, Alex. First of all, thanks again for doing this because I know there's a lot of post-race stuff going on. Uh, how did Evan uh, Huffman do this? I mean, I, I, he won the opening stage. And I don't think he ever lost his lead, did he? No, he didn't. Um, he was able to uh, get get the lead on the first day and never relinqu- relinquished it. I mean, what's that like for uh, for a cyclist? Because it certainly wasn't a big lead. I mean, I was looking at the results. It was, you know, a few seconds here and there. What, what is that like for a guy to be chased throughout the entire weekend? Well, it's, it's stressful to be sure. He has seven teammates that were helping him, and... and professional cycling is a real team sport and uh, his seven teammates were basically protecting him every day along the route uh, giving him a draft so he didn't have to do any work all he had to do was stay close to the front ride in their draft and and they looked after him all right Alex uh, about Evan as a rider I got to interview him uh, quickly after the stage on Friday obviously he was trying to recover after going up the mountain uh, what do you what do you sort of like about him as a rider and and do you think there's there's a bright future for him well yeah he's uh, interestingly he's uh, ridden for world tour teams in the past uh, the Division One team, if you will. Now he's on a Division Three team, and he's kind of um, rejuvenating his career. And it, it's really fun to see 
uh, you know, him find his find his legs under him, riding for this Division Three team. They're sponsored by Raleigh Insurance, Health Insurance, out of the states, and he, you know, he lives in California. But what I like about him is he's an all-round rider. He's not a climber specific. Uh, he's not a sprinter. He likes it. He's, he's able to do well in all types of terrain, and that really served him well at the ATB Tour of Alberta. You know, Jack Burke was the top Canadian in sixth. We also had Canadians finish eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh. Uh, Matteo Dalson was eleventh, who I, I had on this show last week. He was returning from injury. Uh, I mean, look, I, I, we'd love to have a Canadian win the whole thing, but would you describe this as a as a pretty strong performance for Canadians? Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, it was fantastic to see our Canadian pros coming to the fore and. You know, Jack Burke is a relatively newcomer to uh, professional road cycling. He used to be a mountain bike racer uh, living in Squamish uh, and only recently has turned to the roadside and uh, has found legs just uh, riding on the road and, uh, in fact, has just been chosen to go to the uh, World Championships to represent Canada later in September in Norway. Alex, I mean, when you when you came in last week, you were pretty excited about this course. I, I mentioned kind of a mountain stage, uh, Spruce Grove kind of uh, combined uh, some rural areas, and, and in in Spruce Grove, uh, Edmonton took good use, uh, you know, of of some uh, stretches where maybe riders could open it up a bit, but they also had to you know do the climbs and downhills uh, in the river valley. Now that now that you saw it in action. Uh, What's, what's your assessment of the layouts that we had here over the four days? Well, we had some we had really great courses. You know, the iconic views in Jasper and Marmot Basin was just amazing. Uh, you know, in, in and out of the River Valley here in Edmonton is fantastic. And, you know, being out in the rural countryside outside of, in uh, Parkland County by Spruce Grove was amazing too. You know, but we'd, we'd really love to get the race to go down to Calgary. And uh, we're working hard with the folks down in Calgary, some of the stakeholders down there, uh, to see what we can do to uh, convince them to uh, embrace the race even further. All right. Alex, I really appreciate you, uh, appreciate you doing this. It was a pleasure meeting you last week, and I'm really glad you were able to make time for me tonight because I, I know there's uh, a lot going on here post-race. Let's catch up again soon. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Reed. No problem. That is Alex Stita checking in, Edmontonian, former pro cyclist. Uh, he led the Tour de France back in 1986, so a very accomplished rider. And he gives us the breakdown as Evan Huffman takes the Tour of Alberta. Okay, here's what we're going to do. It's 7.38. We're going to take a quick timeout. Uh, if, if you're any kind of sports fan in this part of the world, you probably know that Jay and Dan are back on TSN tonight, back doing Sports Center after four years in the United States, a highly popular highlight show. We're going to talk to Jim Van Horn, former TSN anchor, uh, about Jay and Dan's return and about the changing nature of sports highlights on television. That's when we get back on Inside Sports. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, they're playing football again in Hamilton after a weather delay of about two hours. Six and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Toronto up 6-0 on the Tiger Cats. The Eskimos dropped today in Calgary 39-18. Stamps have won six straight on Labor Day. My name is Reed Wilkins. This Labor Day marking the official return of Jay and Dan, Onright and O'Toole to TSN, two incredibly popular sports anchors who were in L.A. for the last four years. To weigh in on that, former TSN anchor Jim 
Van Horn. Jim, welcome to 630 Chad. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Reed. Thanks uh, Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, a face uh, and a voice that a lot of people will know, obviously, from your time on uh, on, uh, on national television. But, Jim, before we dive into some of that stuff, uh, I know you uh, you went public uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, you were facing bladder cancer. Uh, I think people will want to know just uh, how you're doing, how's your health, and, and how was that battle? Well, I, I'm doing fine. Um, the eight-year battle finally came to a satisfactory conclusion in March, I underwent uh, major bladder surgery to have it removed. Um, all the treatment that I'd gone through over eight years didn't work, so they decided that uh, the only way to really get rid of it was to take it out. So they did that, and um, so far, so good. I'm uh, I'm on the road to recovery. In fact, I just uh, just got permission to start riding my bike again last week, so I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good, feeling pretty good. Well, that's just great news. I, I'm happy to hear that. And, you know, a, as a public figure, Jim, and, you know, somebody people watched and would know, was it, you know, how, how important was that for you just to connect with people, maybe let them know, hey, it's okay to talk about this or it's okay to, to find out more if you're worried? I mean, was that kind of a big message for you and a, and a, and a big, um, you know, talking point with a lot of people? You know, I, I, it's, it's funny that you mention that because uh, this weekend is the Terry Fox run. And um, I, I've been dig- thinking, I, actually, I've been thinking about him all day today. And if, if it wasn't for Terry Fox and what he tried to do, uh, I don't think we would be advanced as advanced in cancer care and uh, research as we are today. So for me to come out and, and you know, to, to openly talk about this kind of thing is, is really small potatoes. But you know, if I could help one person uh, who had bladder, who has bladder cancer, to know that, uh, you know, they can win the fight, uh, that's then it's worthwhile. So, uh, for me, it's not a problem. I, I you know, I, I encourage people to open up as much as they can, and uh, um, I'm always open to talk to people who uh, who who want to talk about it. So it's uh, it's uh, it's something that. Uh, um, I think, if, as I mentioned, if I could help one person, then, then it's worthwhile. Yeah, well said. Well, good for you. Jim Van Horn joining us on Inside Sports, a longtime broadcaster, is on the national stage on TSN, on Sportsnet. And, uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Jay Onright. He is a big goofball, as you know. Uh, him and Dan are back on uh, TSN uh, tonight here, coming up on Labor Day evening. And, you know, I thought, I wonder, you know, Jim, you, you've, you've seen a lot. Uh, they, they went to L.A. for four years. I know a lot of stories with what uh, happened and didn't happen there. But just your take as somebody who's been on that anchor desk of what uh, Jay and Dan bring and, and why you think they've been able to connect with so many Canadians and be so popular. Well, I think, uh, first of all, I, I've, I've, I knew Jay when he was right out of school. He was uh, literally uh, 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 an intern at TSN uh, out of school. And uh, he, you know, he took the route where he felt he had to leave Toronto if he wanted to be successful, which he did. Um, he learned his, his trade in the boondocks and came back and, uh, you know, obviously made, made a name for himself at TSN with, with Dan. I've never had the pleasure of meeting Dan. He came well after, after my days at TSN. But, I mean, their, their chemistry has been, is something that's, that's really quite unique. I mean, you don't always get two guys 
who click the way they did and or the way they have as a matter of fact and then you know for them to be able to go to los angeles and and be on a national sports show in in the united states and and all the rest for for as long as they did you know and, it, and unfortunately it didn't work out but i don't think it really had much of anything to do with them um i mean it's it's really a credit to to the way they work together and the way they connect to the audience i mean you know demographics have changed over the years uh uh, broadcasting has changed over the years. I don't think uh, uh, the traditional sports cast, as, as as I knew it, it, would be as successful today as it was back then. So, uh, you know, good for them for being pioneers and in, in, uh, uh, carving out a new niche for them and uh, and entertaining their their loyal fans the way they do. You know, th- their humor, you know, can be right out there. I mean, when they're doing some goofy, they are they are doing something goofy. Uh, I mean, I, I remember watching you. I, I found you, you know, funny, but I, I thought subtle. A lot of times, I think Rod Smith, uh, you know, who has that time slot, is, is kind of the same way. Jay and Dan, there's no doubt when they're trying to tell a joke, whether it works or not. Is it hard for, for that to, to work? Like, did it ever, uh, you know, surprise you how they, you know, how they're willing to take it to the goofy? Goofiest extreme is that hard to pull off? Well, I, I think people don't understand what it what it takes to do something like that. Um, it takes an, an an incredible amount of confidence in your own ability to pull something like that off. Um, my the humor that I used on the air was more uh, off the cuff type stuff. I never went into you know uh, extensive routines or, or shtick or whatever you want to call it. The stuff that I used was more uh, an aside to 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 something. I, if if I found something ridiculous or silly, then I would you know throw in a word or two, and and some people found it amusing. Uh, they actually sit down and prepare the stuff that they're going to use on air. They don't just come up with it off the top of their heads when they're on the air. I mean, this is all choreographed stuff. They know exactly what they're doing, where they're going. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it takes an awful lot of work. Uh, to put together what they do on a regular basis. Jim Van Horn joining us tonight on Inside Sports. You know, it's interesting, and you referenced, the, you know, the broadcasting is always changing, TV's always changing, and it's been interesting kind of observing the last four or five, even the last decade, it's more social media. Twitter gives sports fans instant results now sometimes even almost instant highlights somebody can score a goal the nhl can tweet out a, a 15 second shot of the goal uh, even the, the nfl which is the north american juggernaut has had ratings decrease over the last couple of seasons so it, it's you know there's a lot of challenges to grab someone's attention and to grab someone uh, someone's attention for more than 20 to 30 seconds do you think did the highlight shows in your mind jim do they still do they still work? Can can they work as effectively or be as important as they once were? Or how do you look at the changing nature of getting the, the information and highlights out to people? You know, I, you make a very interesting point, Reed. Uh, everything is is so immediate now. It's so it's so accessible. You can find out anything that you want. Uh, by going to the web and i think it really has taken over as the place to go for information if you want information right now who wants to wait until six o'clock at night or uh 10 o'clock at night or two o'clock in the morning or 6 a.m in the morning to find out what the score was you know when you can get it right away and you can get the highlight right away uh, you just go to the web and it's there um i mean it's it's to the point now where where twitter is showing the pga live right now you know even before television it was it was on first thing this morning um and and i think because of that 
the effectiveness of the highlight show has diminished. And it's now, I think it's now more becoming uh, not necessarily just a feature type of a show, but uh, it, it, it's, it, I think if, if networks are smart, they'll want to take more, uh, a harder look at news as such. And I think TSN has the right idea with Rick Westhead and what he's doing uh, in his uh, investigative reports that he's putting together. And I think that's probably more the way it's going to go in the future. Um, if you want to compare it to anything, you can compare it to AM, FM radio. Uh, AM radio, back in my day, when I was a disc jockey back in the 70s, was king. Everybody listened to AM. FM was, was something that was, you know, there, but nobody really knew about it now. Uh, if you want music, you go to FM because the quality is there and uh, the sound is so much better. Uh, AM is now basically all talk, either news or sports. Uh, you don't get music programming all that much on AM radio unless it's a really small community. So, And I think the, the trend is people are going more to the web for instant information than waiting the two or three hours to find out what's, you know, you know what their favorite player did or didn't do or got treated or whatever. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, and, and I love how you compare it to an, an FM radio. And, uh, Jim, I mean, I, I almost hesitate to ask this question because, you know, we don't have – I don't know if we have enough time to do the answer justice, but I, I, I just look at the time you were with TSN and, and the sports and the things. So much must have changed even that, that you saw it that I don't even know, like, could you even characterize the, the biggest change you saw in your career or times you thought where, whoa, like, I'm in a different era. Like, people, I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying the industry passed you by by any means, but did you ever have those moments where I'm like, wow, I'm looking at a different newsroom or I'm in a different environment than I ever thought I would be in? I'll give you a perfect example. When TSN went on the air in September 1984, that first day on the air, we had no computers. There wasn't a computer in the newsroom. We still had the traditional uh, uh, CP wire, you know, the, the teletype that was going tick, 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 tick all the time. And it would ring a bell if there was a big story breaking forward, break coming through, and everybody would run to the teletype machine to see what exactly was happening. We didn't have the Internet. We didn't have any of that stuff. We, didn't, we wrote our stories on typewriters. You know, there's probably a lot of people out there today that don't even know what the hell a typewriter is. So when you look at that, you look at that change just from that kind of newsroom in 1984 to where they are today. That's to me, that's the tech, technologically, that's the biggest change that, that has occurred. Yeah, well, that's incredible. Jim Van Horn joining us on, uh, on Inside Sports. Sorry, right, well, I got you here. Might as well go down memory lane. Do you remember the first time you were on live on a live broadcast, TV, radio? Does that, does that still stand out for you? Yeah, it was actually in Barrie, Ontario, about an hour and a half north of Toronto. I was doing a, a sports cast, and I'd never done it before. Uh, not only did I have to write it and present it, but I had to run my own prompter. And it was a, <laughs> it was a button that was under the desk, and you had to turn it. And I screwed it up so badly, I just ended up reading the script as it was. It was like a three or four minute show, and I, I, I don't remember what it was like. I mean, I was so scared that uh, I was paralyzed. But uh, thankfully, from then on, things slowly started to get better. Um, first hockey game I did was in Calgary uh, for the Flames when, the, when they came up from Atlanta. I was the host of the games, and uh, um, <laughs> I'll never forget that year, Bob Nystrom of the New York Islanders scored the game-winning goal in overtime for the Islanders Stanley Cup win. The following season, he came in was our first guest in the studio, and I actually forgot his name on the air. 
Oh, no. We were, we were live on the air. At the end of the interview, I looked at him. I said, well, thanks very much. And I stopped, and he looked at me with a big smile on his face, and he said, Bob? Yeah, that's it. Your name's Bob. We'll be back after this. (laughs) Well, that's the funny thing, though, because, I mean, I found that, too. You go from the nerves of your very first broadcast and and feeling like everything is going to go wrong. And then once you do it a few years, you just realize, okay, at some point, I'm going to mess up, technology is going to mess up, or I'm going to be embarrassed. And then you just go with it or laugh at yourself, right? As opposed to thinking, oh, I'm going to ruin my career on day one, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hard, hardest thing to do, Reed, is to put the mistake behind you, to forget the mistake and carry on. Because, you know, people, nine times out of ten, if people are either listening or watching, they're, they're going to say to themselves, did he just say that? Did I just see that? You know, they're not really sure. And, and all of a sudden, it's gone. So you're beating yourself up for making that mistake, and, and it, it's already passed, and People are looking ahead to what's coming up next. Yeah, for sure. Hey, hey Jim, this was great to have you on the show. Thanks for your perspective on uh, on you know TV sports and highlight shows and Jay and Dan, Jay and Dan, really interesting stuff. Glad to see that you're doing well after taking on bladder cancer. Good for you. I hope we can do this again sometime. Thanks for your time. Anytime at all, Reed. I'm living the dream. Thanks a lot. Excellent stuff, Jim Van Horn. Wow, love watching him. And yeah, Jane and Dan are back on tonight. That'll be fun. Eskimos lose 39-18, second quarter after a weather delay. Toronto up 7-3 in Hamilton. Thanks to Patrick Bauer, the studio producer tonight. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. We have Inside Sports 6 to 7.30 tomorrow. Jason Moss and Morley Scott from 7.30 to 8. Hope you had a great long weekend. Thanks for spending time with me tonight. Talk to you soon.